podcast time. <laughs> Episode four. It is. It's good to be back again. Hope you guys are doing good out there. How's your week been? Busy. Yeah? Yeah. No evacuations? Oh, no. Fires aren't near us this time. Thank you. Yeah. Our place up in the mountains, they've just decided to turn the power off in the whole community just because, just to be safe. Must yeah. be pretty serious. I heard that's how, that's a possibility for the uh, the campfire fire up north, power lines, but who uh, knows. Okay. Speculation at this point, I guess. Why don't we start with stupid questions? All right. Here's a stupid question, sort of. Well, it's just a question that's like along those lines. Think about your house right now, and it's like, boom, five minutes. You have to evacuate. It's pretty likely your house is going to burn down. What are you grabbing? If you're, if you're the only one home. So family's safe. Just material objects. Do you have anything that's just like you could grab? That would be the first thing you'd grab? Well, I, I, would it be? I think I've cheated on this question. Um just as last time, um, mm. because I had to do this. Oh, you did? In, oh, Aug- right. in August, except we didn't have five minutes. We had an hour. Um, I can tell you what we grabbed. Um, yeah, what'd you get? Every hard drive. Um, I even, I have a Mac mini, so I, I just grabbed that small. Mm-hmm. Um, Your couch. <laughs> and I grabbed, um, I guess the most kind of odd item that wouldn't be obvious is I I grabbed my 1980 American made music master bass. Oh yeah. That I got when I was 10 years old. Um, it's a three quarter scale bass, which I learned to play on. And Mm. I, uh, I never graduated to a full scale. So to this day, like that's my bass and you're sticking to it. Well, I've yeah, I've had it for 38 years, and it's just I've I've gutted it, new pickups, new pots, new everything, um, refinished it. So I mean, I've, I've taken care of it, and it's just been around forever. What's that old saying about um, weddings? Something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. I think that goes for maybe what you'd grab when there's a fire coming. So you have something um, new, and something old. If I had lent you something, would you be like, oh, I got to grab that and get it back to Adam? No. Okay. You'd just make me another one. <laughs> I left your artwork on the wall. Oh. oh. It's already dead. It so. hurts a little bit. That's true. Uh, if you haven't seen his artwork, then you can look that up. But uh, <laughs> but I, we, we grabbed our, I have, um, we have pretty actually uh, um, compressed file system. So it wasn't hard to grab all that stuff because most everything's on the hard drive. So. Mm. I just grabbed a, a few little file crates and then hard drives, grabbed my base. Um, actually, you know, Monica mentioned that she was actually surprised when it came down to us evacuating um, that she didn't have much to grab. Really? Yeah. She was like, it was comforting to her. It's like, well, if, if we lost everything, then, you know, who cares? We're alive, right? It's pretty cool. Yeah. That was probably nice to hear too. It's like, oh wow, when yeah. it all comes down, you're not materialistic. <laughs> not when there's a fire, anyway. <laughs> we did drive two cars, so oh, we, we got those out of there. That's true. Yeah. 
What would I grab, you ask? No. I think that was smart to um hard drives. Yeah. That's huge. It's tiny. That's so much. It's tiny work. and huge. It's so much work and so much, yeah. Potential value and real value and all kinds of stuff. It's crazy how much we rely on hard drives and information digitally. I keep thinking about like the how much we rely on it, but also like the way it relates to music. Um, this is a this is gonna be a reach here, and <laughs> it's in a tangent, but like the um, the idea of what music would exist if we lost, if there was some sort of crazy solar flare and we lost all electricity, what music would would keep going? I'm smiling because you've done this before. <laughs> you've done this mental exercise before. <laughs> and I know, it's, uh, it's a little bit of confirmation bias mixed in with yeah. reality. I, I think you sent this to me in an email and I have it, have it flagged, I have it saved. Really? No, it's actually, it's actually pretty cool, but yeah. Um, how much we rely on, or how much creativity in the arts, in music especially, has is so reliant on electricity. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not it's not uh, stomping your foot, clapping your hands, singing acoustic guitar, uh, acoustic drumming. You know, it's a different different thing. Yeah, and depending on your belief system about the history of the world. I mean, electricity is ve- is <laughs> very, very new in terms of us harnessing it. Obviously, there were lightning bolts a long time ago. But just the idea that we could use electricity or even just think of it as like the advent of recording, you know, it's Thomas Edison and music got here thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years without the help of electricity. And what was that music? Which is interesting to think that like if we did... If the power goes down and all you all you have is your laptop to make music from, you your music would die with your laptop. And if you didn't have some way to physically express your art, you know, with a drum or your voice, which, you know, Corey and I got into that. And I recently spoke at um, Concordia University and got deeper into that subject of like why, you know, with Corey, we were talking and... And I kind of, I, I threw it out there that it would be awesome, I think, and helpful for every musician to put a little effort into learning how to sing and some effort into learning how to drum. And then I realized like, oh, of course I'm biased because I'm a drummer and I sing, but I also feel like those are the two oldest instruments. Well, there's, there's no gatekeeper on those instruments. No gatekeeper. They're the, it's the oldest instruments. And they are the two... Possibly the only two instruments um, that you can physically, you can go to your physical ends in playing them. You can hit a drum as hard as you can, and you can yell and scream and sing as hard as you can. That's something we've talked about before. Yeah. I, I find it was um, definitely not something that I had thought about previously, and it's it's super interesting. I actually use it when I'm when I'm teaching, and, and that subject comes up. It's uh, there's something special about that. It just percussion in general. I mean, it depends on what what percussion, of course. But right, um, that you can use the full strength of your body to create the sound, and of course, vocals as well. Um, something that you you couldn't do on 
on a whole like host guitar. of instruments. Yeah, yeah like, you just name it. Like if you put your full, if you really put your full strength into a guitar, I mean, you'd break it. Yeah, it's it's super. I think it's a powerful idea that you can be completely physically unrestrained if need be or if you want to. But then again, there's obviously a lot of a lot of power and restraint. I just whenever I pick up a guitar, for example, that has really light gauge strings on it, I feel like I can't. I can't. <laughs> I go to I go to do something that has some intensity to it and I'm just like, oh I have to hold back so much I can't squeeze and I can't hit as hard it goes out of tune or I break a string and whenever a guitar a real guitar player picks up one of my guitars which is a drummer's guitar <laughs> the strings are like you know telephone cables <laughs> like it's just like <laughs> telephone cables power lines they're just like su super thick gauge I want to be able to hit that thing just about as hard as I can if possible if I need to but I also squeeze hard it's just kind of numb but <clears throat> I need to learn restraint. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so there, <laughs> there's that. Yeah, there's your stupid question morphed into whatever we were just talking about. Yeah. We got um, you want to move out of stupid questions and into um, better, <laughs> smarter questions? <laughs> yeah. These are some um, questions that we uh, neglected to see on Twitter on the last uh, episode that we were in together back in Julian. And let me see here. Okay. Bryce Button, at Bryce Button. Uh, do you guys feel your artistic freedom is confined by the identity of Broken City? Broken City? It's <laughs> a question. Is the goal of Broken City to stay within the boundary of your identity, or do you guys try to push outside that boundary? I like this question. Yeah, it's a good one. I, I read it, I read it uh, a couple days ago. I just I noticed that we missed some questions on Twitter. Um, yeah, it's it's really it's been a challenge because we want to stay. I I have a a I am conscious of your aesthetic and mine personally. Yes, and and I have my own aesthetic, and Kevin has his own aesthetic. So with the three of us working together. And of course, there's you know everybody on the team contributes something at some point, um, but generally speaking, like the the catalyst of each endeavor comes from the three of us. So it's been interesting me the way I um, I stay conscious of your aesthetic, mm. and I think I've almost gotten to the point where um, this is our fourth year right now. Um, where I I feel like it's just second nature, and I don't I don't think about it so much um, in the conscious mind as much as I used to. Mm -hmm. um, so there is that that sort of I don't know if I call it a boundary, but it's um, you know we're, we're not going to go out there and do a techno you know neon light kind of show. Um, and nor, and, and I don't think that's artificial, an artificial boundary where I would do that if, if you weren't part of this team, mm. I think it's, it's, I don't know if I would do that just on my own. Yeah. Um, that'd be part of like our shared aesthetic. I think yeah, you, you and I are like kind of like circles that join, like we have a shared aesthetic and then right. 
And that, but what's funny is if I look back at some stuff I've done, you know, historically last 25 years, um, I've, I've been all over the place. I haven't been really focused. It's one thing that I, I, I really admired about you, um, is that as you go back and you kind of see the development of, of what, where you are now, it's just, it's a really focused, deliberate sense of the, the world that you create within like your own personal ecosystem. And um, it's something that uh, I wish I had figured out sooner than when I look back. So in a sense, I think what Broken City is, um, I don't think we're, um, I, I don't remember the language that he used. I don't think, he didn't use the word stifled, right? Um, but it's not, it's not uh, stifling or, a, or um, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm, Artistic freedom. Do you feel your artistic I freedom like, is confined? No, confined. That's the word I was looking for. Um, no. In fact, I think in terms of just looking at an XY axis or even like a 3D axis, uh, it's, it's uh, instead of looking you know, out at the planes and, and looking 360 degrees around you, I feel like what Broken City has done um, for me and just working with this team is we've just looked down as far as a, if you want to create that, that metaphor, like we're looking down and we're digging and we just keep digging. So when do you run out of earth to dig? It's, and I don't feel like we've even scratched the surface. So it's, I feel like, yeah, in a sense there's boundaries and there's parameters on our aesthetic. If you, if you take the 360 degree, um, um, approach or metaphor, but as far as like digging down in, digging deep, yeah. I feel like we have miles to go, and um, I like exploring, um, looking looking inward mm-hmm. instead of looking outward. I guess, and and so I mean, what even if you were to just look at a single human being, and you were to say. You know how how complex are you? What's in that head of yours, and what's going on in there? What's what, a lot of wind? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's. Are you? Do you feel confined by yourself? Do you feel confined by <laughs> how complex you are? And I think every human being on the planet would say would say no. Like yeah, it would no, be we're yes. All, we're all complex. We're yeah. all infinitely complex. So, but I would also say yes. Like I feel confined by my limitations, but I don't feel confined. Maybe there's certain areas where I feel maybe I could. There's so much potential that that I haven't fulfilled, and that and maybe it's partially a hope that there is that I can push. I could even if I had more discipline than I than I have in all areas of my life, I could push as hard as I can and never reach potential and then die so it's almost like yes i feel infinitely unconfined in some areas and and that there's definitely there's so much below the surface that i keep learning and then time keeps going by and there's so much input from the world and all this stuff but then all again i'm also constantly reminded by how much i am confined by my own whatever talents or intellect or what it might whatever it might be you know and you said limitations i I think that's a I feel like that is a different topic. Maybe it is. A different, because I feel like what he's asking here is, um, 
is more of a... Do we run out of content or something? Well, I, <laughs> or I, inspiration? Think, I think what he's asking is, is we have sort of a deliberate aesthetic. It's authentic, but it's, it's deliberate, meaning we've, we've imposed some rules on ourselves. Like, um, I want to make sure there's no, I'm not leaving any details out here, but basically that, that everything is, is real and authentic. Like when we used, um, we use microphones and microphone cables hanging from props. And I remember, um, there was a critique that we were in once and somebody said, Oh, why don't you just, why don't you just sample it so that it works every time? Because right. sometimes it wouldn't work. The mic cables would not be plugged in correctly. It's like, well, the, well, that defeats the purpose. The whole point is that you know that we're really taking these microphone cables and stretching them across the floor and plugging them in mm-hmm. in real time during the show. And There's something there. There's something you yeah. get out of that challenge. And the sounds that come through those microphones are being made by the members on the floor. It's not sampled. And you can hear that. And clearly we're out of tune in some of it. And it's like, we were, we were actually okay with that from from a... Musical? Uh, just from an achievement yeah. standpoint, it's like, well, yeah, if it's out of tune, I mean, you kind of know it's real because I've stood out there on the floor. It's hard to hear a pitch center when you're out in the middle of the floor, the speakers are facing the audience. Um, you're kind of in this no man's land and you're just singing. And, yeah, the margin of error is pretty yeah. wide, especially depending, yeah, because right. the Doppler effect, there's and different pitches. And they're not, they're not professional vocalists. Yeah, and they're nervous so, and they're... Well, yeah. the, Excited, even regardless if they're, yeah, let's just assume they're they're not nervous. They're they're performers, but let's say at at their best, they're not nervous and they're just going for it. It's the point is that it's happening in real time. That was the the gimmick, if you will, if you want to call it that, is that it's real. It's happening in real time. So we want to approach things like that. Um, approach everything like that. Like a prop is. It's not really a prop. It's a thing that we use that actually works. Um, or if it's got chains, it actually doesn't work mm-hmm. um, <laughs> too often. Um, those chains, man. Oh, <laughs> glad we did it, but it's a metaphor. Never doing it again. Um, so, so when it comes to like you know, we're gonna have this thing on the floor and it's gonna do this thing. There is no backup plan. There is no oh, well, we'll sample it just so it works. And it sometimes it it you know it it's not a good competitive decision when you, <laughs> you do that. But I think it's it's um, yeah it's it's something it's a it's, choice right it's a choice for um, it adds a little bit more of a chaos factor. It adds more to to um, strive towards I think and like there uh, like like you you get something in art when you leave room to strive when you can hear the striving. There's something there. Like I've always appreciated with singers when they're high range, you can feel the striving. Whereas if it's so easy for you to hit a high note, I think you lose some of the emotion that's possible when you strive. Like We were talking about this with John Lennon's vocal on uh, Twist and Shout. Yeah. We did this before. It's just that... Doesn't sound totally in control, and but it's he's, like he's nuts, and he's like pushing these notes he can't possibly hit, and then he kind of hits them. Yeah, and then it's like probably one of my favorite vocal performances of all time. Just you get crazy. Some, 
yeah, you feel you feel the reaching, and I think that's that's a big part of why we love sports too. Like you, you can feel the reaching. You're you're rooting for somebody who's like, oh, at the edge of their their strength, the edge of their abilities, and when you build that into a show that you're trying to make really perfect um, across multiple dimensions, not just perfect across one dimension, like clean, right. but you're going for all these different things and there's, there's all the striving, like why not just let the vocal parts be striving also this is if possible. Really, really interesting as a, as a, <clears throat> a spectator, just someone who's appreciating whatever's happening, whatever the, the, the medium is, um, the, balance between the striving let's just call it that and the recognition of the obvious like hours and i mean hours i mean like ten thousand hours of development of a particular skill like when you're witnessing the comfort level of the performer where they're, they're just doing this crazy virtuosic stuff and clearly you're as you're taking this in you're processing how many thousands of hours did that take to perfect like there's a beauty in that and then to balance that with the striving part too it's like when when you let's take the john lennon vocal for instance when you listen to that vocal i don't hear 10,000 hours you know what i mean mm. i hear like a confidence and which may have come from 10,000 hours, but I hear a confidence in that striving and that like, just like, I'm going to belt this out no matter what. And it, whatever happens at the end of this take is it's staying on the record. Yeah. And there's, but then there's other things you, you listen to and you're like, whoa, just the precision like that, how they've developed their craft and their skill and their, their sensibilities with their, the, the minute tasks, whatever, whatever they happen to be doing. It's just, it's also mind blowing. So, I mean, there's, there's a, there's so many, there's a balance and you can go overboard. Like I, I'm fully admitting that sometimes we go the wrong way and things don't work out exactly how, how we want them. But, uh, I think when things don't work out, it's like proof of the striving too. like the, there's so many levels of analysis with this because you want to, Mastery of something like allows for for you to get further, right? So if all you're doing is striving to the point where it's actually you're tipping the scales into like, oh, it's, it's like, too, man, too, why too don't much. You just practice too much striving. <laughs> don't you're not ready to perform. Yeah, that's right. That's... But too much mastery is it looks easy, and sometimes that can be beautiful too because it's just sort of transcendent. But I since art is a metaphor for life or or art uses metaphor but it's analogous to life i guess you could say then and life is about struggle and striving and, and, and moving it's like you when you see that in art you're seeing something that's been created that has some kind of metaphorical value but then you're also seeing seeing the the struggle of life happening in the art and there's something about that reflection that's like incredible and i think what i well, I guess it's proven that what people love to see is maybe an un, at the highest level of both. Because when if you have mastery of something, let's say you can play a really complex piece that's been written with a ton of heart, and that it's it's completely within your control how you're to play it. Complacent with the amount of risk that you're taking. Yeah, and but there's there are performers I think who 
to take that level of mastery and, and, and performance, but then they strive emotionally. So it's like, ooh, it's almost like on a different axis, they're mm-hmm. striving for to be in the moment and, and to allow a certain, um, there's a French word for it that I don't know, but that certain something, that X factor, you'd call it, like that, that transcends, that's what it is. What yeah. is it? I, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it, but je ne sais quoi, is that right? That sounds great Something to me. Of the what? Yeah, and it's it means I don't know what that I don't Maybe. know what. I just saw that written down somewhere. But that's what it is. You're, I guess, in a lot of ways, if you're striving for technical excellence, you're really striving to get to the point where you can release right. that I don't know what element. Right. I think that's that's really apparent um, in this this neck of the woods, as far as. Uh, marching arts when an ensemble is clearly like virtuosic in every way um, and just kind of sitting on it. And I think that's, that's one thing like we never want to be, never want to do. And in, in that, Oh yeah, dude. In well, that, uh, well, in, in the, in the quest to be perfect, um, like just don't forget to push like push beyond comfort. And it's where you're pushing too, I think, because you can get to that level of mastery and once you're there, you can make a decision to, like you said, sit on it and like rest on your laurels or express ego or you can go the other direction and try to find that that special something that's actually digging deeper emotionally um, and you often see the latter like you or the former. <laughs> you you often see the ego part like oh, I'm so good like bam that was easy hey you know so that's that's annoying because that's like being a show off I guess and when when you see somebody that's clearly has the the so called right to be arrogant or like they they could go that direction and they choose to try to disappear into their work with the mastery then it's like transcendent it's epic you know what I wanted to say about that question too. To answer it from my perspective, looking in on you and Kevin, as you you said, you know, do we feel confined? And I'd say we we. It depends on how you define confined, but I think. Um. De- I would say def like if I read the question for myself, I would say definitely, and that's the point, because it, it's almost like we could look at ourselves as like a three piece rock band or something. You've decided these are the people this is the thing we we like we accept our limitations and but also accept that that we're going to have to be industrious and like we're going to have to find everything within ourselves and and go toward the the infinite depth instead of digging where there's really nowhere to dig right i think i think it's like if you if you have a favorite band and then either they they break up or they they just they they're on hiatus and they do solo projects. Solo projects are always different. They're always a different personality. There's there and there's similarities obviously, but it's it's never the same as the band that's together. So I guess yeah. in that respect, I agree with you. Like when we're the three of us are are committed to doing this this project together, we're not mm-hmm. on hiatus. We're we're active. Um, there are parameters, but they're they're um, 
they're not heavy handed. I think it's just, it happens by, um, it just happens naturally. I, I'm not, I'm not uh, contriving certain things. In fact, there's sometimes where I steer clear of, of certain things because it's, it's gotten a little cliche. Like mm. the, let's take for instance, like the Edison bulb, you know, there's even, uh, I, I, I read Reddit and they have these, uh, subreddits that have like starter packs. I don't uh-huh. know if you've ever seen these. Um, but it's like, um, you know, hip new restaurant starter pack. And like the first picture is the Edison bulb and then, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I just laugh and it's, it's funny. Um, but it, it, I think if someone had to, you know, make a, a meme, like, like a little poke, a little jab at broken city, it could be, it could be in that realm of, there's a little bit of cliched aesthetic to it, but it didn't start out that way. And I think I've made a conscious effort of obviously laughing at it, but, but then trying to push away, like, well, that's not what it is. That that's to oversimplify like what we're doing. And one thing, do you know what I mean? It's it, we're the easiest thing to wor- in the world is to make fun of something. Yeah. You could be like Ansel Adams, black and white all the time, you know, like <laughs> doesn't even know color what or whatever, you know, but <laughs> here's a, another analogy that popped into my head. I feel like the most positive way we can look at it and the way I kind of feel maybe is best reflective of the three of us and how it's not confining is that I feel like we're more like lenses. It's like, let's say, you know, you're a wide angle lens. I'm a 50 millimeter and K Shaw is a fisheye or whatever, <laughs> or I'll be the fisheye, whatever. And then those are our lenses. You know, it's, we can look at anything through them, but that's how we, we're going to see things with that scope. Like, the Adam lens, the Mike lens, the Kevin lens, and we can aim it anywhere and look at anything in life, and 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 that's how it is. And we're traveling through life on a little tour with our cameras, and then like putting the pictures together. That feels kind of right. And we all have a little tent, you know. There's some like, who, I don't know who has the rose colored lens. Maybe none of us. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's what we're missing. Is the rose colored lens? That's it, yeah, yeah. I definitely have like an amber filter on mine. I like earth tones. It's it's funny that you you brought that up because I I made a deliberate attempt uh, last year, um, to with the fall show, um, to like what what is the color that is the 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 furthest away from what Broken City what people think Broken City is, and I was thinking about it, I'm like it, well the color blue is cool usually. Mm. Um, and it's it's somewhat associated with technology and and uh just tried to find all the reasons why blue is a bad choice. I'm like, okay, well how would we make blue work? Just as sort of an exercise, just for fun. And I started messing around with it and uh um we came up with the aesthetic and you and I went on the, the little mini photo shoot and the first time you brought that up too, I instantly went like, Oh my gosh, it's so right and since my I just said amber colored lens, when you take orange or the, and that earth tone and you flip it, you invert it at Photoshop, you get blue. So blue is literally the opposite of of that orangey, warm Edison bulb glow. <laughs> but what's cool is when you see blue and orange ish together, it's like there's something beautiful about it because they are opposites, but well, they like they they go right. But it it's also. Um 
I, you know, I found this out obviously in editing the the floor and the costumes, um, picking the fabric, and it's it can go wrong real quick. Like you can end up with blue and orange, and then what? What's where's your go to? Like when I say blue and orange, what colors are you thinking about? You're probably not thinking about the aesthetic that we had on the floor last year, right? And yeah, you think it's, p- pumpkins and and it's neon like, lights. Yeah, yeah, it's a very modern, you know, uh, high sheen vinyl. Yeah, we like oranges with a lot of brown with, <laughs> with blues and oranges. So it was it was like this challenge, like, well, how can I use these colors and and not mess it up? Basically, I mean, yeah, not very eloquent, but that's basically what happened. And then um, I th- I think the. The, what we came up with with the, the way the floor turned out, which ended up looking like a like a Middle Eastern rug, um, but it was actually just a combination of the sky and the fall leaves and uh, lots of Photoshop and trickery and lots of layers and layers, layers and, and filters layers. and stuff. But um, but we finally came up with the the I guess the 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 world in which the show would live. And, yeah. And that was, um, those are things I enjoy doing. Like this year, there's a, there's a little bit of, I don't know if you call it like a rebellious element to like how the show will, will unfold aesthetically and, and musically, but there's a little bit of rebellious, um, rebelliousness in there um, with what, what people think Broken City is and when where they think it comes from and and sort of trying to challenge that, trying to challenge ourselves. Mm. Um and then so we don't we don't get stuck in the meme kind of cliche universe of everything's just this way and this yeah, is Yeah, that's that little that's that part of the striving, you know, you don't want to just right. get you don't want it to become easy when you've created something that's very clear, I guess. Right, and Uh, another way to put it would be um, if you say, well, hey, do something different is really open-ended and um, almost the the easy way out where it'd be more, more of a challenge, more fun to say, do something different with all the same stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's where that's where it gets like exciting for me. And that, and, and it goes back to that question. Um, so no, I, I don't feel like I've, or that we have, have, um, yeah, I don't think done I, all the possibilities. You know? Yeah. You can't reach. There's an, there are enough variables to, to, I think if you, if, if you feel like you've reached the end, maybe you're looking in the wrong direction or we're not trying hard enough. And you but, could, you could actually extend this, this whole like analogy to, just marching percussion, like snares, tenors, bass. Yeah, and, you and could say popular music: drums, bass, guitar, keys, vocals. You know, yeah. It's like do something different with all the same stuff. <clears throat> like what makes what makes this ensemble recognizable and sound different from this other ensemble? And you could close your eyes and listen to some groups and go, "I know exactly who that is." If here's a question that maybe is a you could file it under stupid, but um, if you came out one year in SCPA or WGI and you had three groups of things on the floor, but they weren't snares, tenors, and basses, they were like 
logs, twigs, and berries. <laughs> it was something else. Can I stop you there? Yeah, something <laughs> else that you something else that you were hitting that was in sections would would you'd be disqualified? No, it was like trash can no, lids and blah blah blah. But I can tell you, I can throw some <clears throat> subjective opinion. It's redundant. Um, <laughs> it just I, becomes I, a different thing, right? Activity. So, so yeah, and I've actually I've actually come across a, a a version of this question quite a bit, and I think um, it, if I could if I could pose it, repose it like this, and I could say, um, let's make, um, let's have a, a, a train sound. So we want this to sound like, like, like a train and, and the whistles blown and, and the, the tracks, you know, the, um, wheels on the tracks and the brakes and, and the steam and, and everything. Um, but you can only use a string quartet. To me, that's where the the magic happens is when you have this this constant of snare tenor bass. Yeah. That to me, that's why I do this because of the challenge of if if somebody said, um, actually, this is a real thing that somebody told me maybe twenty. I was going to ask you to talk about this because like, it's interesting the way you approach how you go for textures and how you use the instruments. So tell yeah. Tell the story you were going to tell. Okay, before I I'm not sure you. if it's the story that you're expecting, but this is over 20 years ago, and I had a band director, and when he said it, when the words came out of his mouth, I was just shaking my head like, "You idiot!" Yeah. <laughs> but he, he said, "Okay, so the 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 drum solo is 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 high noon, like the opener is is morning, the drum solo is high noon, and the." The closer is is dusk or whatever, um, and I'm sitting there going, "How do I make battery percussion sound like high noon? <laughs> like it's hot, it's hot. The sun's out, and you know we're baking under it. How, how do you, yeah, what? Yeah. How do you make battery percussion sound like that? And I don't want to comment on on whether or not it worked or I pulled it off. It's that's because that's not really important. What's important is that. Kind of important. I was <laughs> to him. It was. It wasn't. Um, but it's it's the fact that I sat there and pondered it, and like I made decisions based off what I thought high noon would sound like. And so you, so, didn't, you didn't blow it off. That's kind of cool. So you just kind of went no. first. You were like, eh. yeah. But then you were like, all right, let's try. Right. So. And it changed you, right? So to me, yeah, to me, that's where the, the magic is, though. So if you were to say, like, I don't think it's too creative to to come out with twigs, logs, and berries. It's more creative. Can I make a snare line sound like a twig? Can I make a tenor line sound like berries? Can I make a <laughs> you know, bass line sound like logs? And they kind of already do. But Twig and berries. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? It's... it's Completely. And that... That's where the, that's where the cool stuff is for me. That is the story that... I remember you telling and yeah, I remember asking you about some of your creative process with, with, um, battery and I remember you saying that, you know, a lot of what you write, I remember looking at it, knowing that I had, you know, I'd played your music a zillion years ago, but the level of writing 
in terms of just the difficulty level of the rhythms you write, to me is, I can't believe there's a bunch of people out there who can play that stuff. It just, there's so many, like, you know, fives and nines and sevens and, and over triplets over, you know, like stuff that just seems, wow, it's like Frank Zappa, the Black Page kind of, um, that's an old reference, but extremely not funk. <laughs> like, you know, it's not like it has like a, it's all about the pulse and you want to feel it and you like, doom, doom, chikum, kum, kachum, you know, like whatever. But it's, it's like you've, what happened? Like you made, it's almost like at some point, and you've always had a little bit of the that in your work, more with regards to dynamics and the way you use buzz rolls and things and create illusions of rhythm that hide the pulse or that, but it's not about being clever for you. So can you talk a little bit about that aspect of how you approach getting textures and what what is it that you're thinking in the creative process when you go to write it down? Because you're not just thinking like what's going to look good written or what's going to be groovy necessarily, unless that's the point. But is this a question that you can answer even? Yeah, yeah okay. I feel like I've answered a form of this before. Um, I feel like I have this go-to, but it's it's still true. I think it's because I, I slightly tongue-in-cheek, because I hate drums. Mm. Like the, the sound, it, they're just obnoxious. And how do I get a drum to not sound obnoxious? I think I secretly want to be like a string player. And I don't have that ability, talent, and um, you're background. Seeking, you're seeking to get that out of the thing that you happen to be. Yeah. Like, I still remember this Kawhi K4 Good. patch, soaring, spring, uh, soaring strings. <laughs> it's like, God, how do I make a snare line sound like soaring strings? Um, Is it ever, like, metaphorical? Like, have you taken it f further than the high noon thing and been like, I want this to sound like waves, or I want this to sound like... Every time it, I write. Okay, so it's always some sort of... Yeah, it's... It, and. I don't know if this is the right, you know, categories to put things in, but I've always thought of things like when I listen to other people's music, I can put them in mostly two different categories. Um, generally speaking, that doesn't mean they don't do different things. Great and awful. On, no, depending on depending on the context of what's happening, but generally speaking, when I listen to compositions, battery compositions, um, I can say, well, this is very rhythmic. This is this is rhythmic exploration, very um, uh, virtuosic, math oriented. Yeah, and lots of I would say like Afro-Cuban or Latin influence in the rhythms that are chosen to play. So they invoke movement in a way, right? And then there's textural writers, yeah, which it's hard to pick out the rhythmic properties, and it's it's all textures. Um, I feel like the texture writers are a little more rare. Um, it's it's a different type of virtuosic um requirement yeah as far on the on the part of the performer like that you're doing different things or different sensitivities when you're playing something textural as opposed to rhythmic rhythmic is more um like when you see somebody just achieving with a, in a with a rhythmic approach it's like it it's you can see the ten thousand hours like it's it's so articulate and and perfect, and um, you can you can just imagine the amount of preparation 
all that took. And not just for that particular piece that they're playing, but the development of that human being to be able to play that piece um, is apparent. And and I, isn't it, wouldn't you say it's often imposed on them by a composer though? Like, no, I think, I think kids, I hate to say kids because some of them are 22. But well, I just mean that if the, you're drawn to drums, you're not drawn to drums in order to express a string sound. Usually it's like you're drawn okay, to drums yeah, because right. of the rhythmic aspect. Right, right, right. And then I think there's a, almost like there's a drummer, you're a drummer, and then completely separate than being a drummer, right. you're a composer. And the composer side of you wants the drums to sound like strings or waves or high noon, and the drummer side of you understands that it's the pulse side and the primal element of right. rhythm. Would that be fair to say? Yes, but but I, I think there's always a context to it. Like, if I say, okay, I want this to sound like, you know, soaring strings or, or waves or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then the next question is, well, how can I do that while making sure that I'm attracting um, a membership that's actually able to do this? Because it, it takes it takes a certain level of uh, skill set level and, and talent um, and development of talent to be able to play this, these things to, to, um, to give the illusion to um, actually achieve that, the texture you're looking for. It's not just because, oh, here I wrote this and then it works. Mm -hmm. You can't just write something and then that's what it is. There's, a lot of the 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 textual stuff and even just all music in general there's there's a the way you teach it mm -hmm. your expectation of of how it's interpreted it's super important so if you want that level of performer that can handle all those nuances yeah well at some point we have to talk about the the reality that you have to be attracting those performers so if if you're pure if you are pure 100% writing as a composer you're missing it like i I can't do that. I have to have, there's a reality that um, I need to attract people that really want to do this. I need to make this, like I can't waste their time. This is something that they give of themselves. They, they pay money to do this, mm -hmm. um, spend time away from their families and whatnot. And how, how do I make that worth it for them? It's, there's, gotta be, there's gotta be a reason why playing this approach is cool and fun and why they'd want to do it. So that's always a challenge. It's always on the front of my mind. And I would say if, if you were a rhythmic type writer where you had a lot of Latin Afro-Cuban kind of influence mm -hmm. with how you write, um, or even just beyond that, more, more like classic American rudimental yeah. style writing, um, which, you know, whatever. Yeah. I guess that's sort of Afro-Cuban. That's, yeah. yeah. No, that'd be whatever. Some Brazilian in there, I think. I think yeah. there's some Brazilian in there. What would be the classic American, like, just rudimentals, the things that are based off rudiments. So whatever. But if, if that's your thing, you have that challenge as well because there, there is a sense, if, you, if you're a top-notch performer, like if you are the 1% the, the of, of snare, tenor, bass drummers out there, you're looking for that special something where you want to spend your money and your time. And that rhythmic approach, um, <clears throat> they have to find like what is the thing that's going to bring kids here. So they might be looking for what's the new and cool rudiment. Like what's, how can we combine these stickings to make something that no one has ever played before? 
that might be an approach, and that's a valid approach, and that's that's something that's going to attract a certain type of kid. Um, yeah, you know, can I can I jump in here because I think yeah. drumming is, v- I think all instruments are like this, but to go with my own little confirmation bias about it, something that's interesting to me and seems different about drums, um, maybe because it is such an old instrument, maybe it is because it's the foundation of dance and, and things like that, that dr- drumming attracts a lot of different kind of people, and I believe that it attracts... Um, let's say that if on some level, and I don't even know if this is a valid point to make, but if on some level you can put athlete here and artist here on on some level because i think on on one level of analysis you you can you probably can I, I don't think that's a stretch i think that's reality i think, that's I think it these, is too but i think there are definitely are. great athletes who are great artists you know like even martial artists although you could debate how much that is an art and not or whatever but um, I, I meant i meant in the context of what you would see on a DCI field or a WGI field. Yeah, and they it's, even call it sport of the arts yeah, for a reason. Athlete and I think the point artists. is that I think there are drummers who are very interested in difficulty level, speed, things that you would associate with with a, with a sport. You know, like it, this is an achievement of of physical prowess and um, just how coordination, like. Prowess, coordination, fast twitch muscle fiber, some sort of intellect, all that coming together like it would in a sport. And then I think there there are drummers out there who are also lean completely to the other end of the spectrum and are much more about like, wow, that final result is awesome. It's not, it's challenging, but it's challenging in a completely different way than it would be from an athletic, purely speed, speed and coordination and accuracy approach. And it's almost like you've just kind of put your flag in the side that that it is more the textural side, and that, that just takes a di- attracts a different kind of drummer who's maybe more interested in the result than maybe the action. And right. then they probably find, I mean, obviously it's still drumming, it's still sticks, it's still rooted in rooted in rudiments to some degree when you when you dig past dig deep enough, right? I mean. I th- You're I still think, going right, left at some point, right? And I, I think that uh, it's it's where I came from. It's what <clears throat> it's what I did as a as a teenager. I sought out um, where I wanted to be based on composition. Yeah. Um, although you know, it, it, as a younger teenager, I I was you know enamored by. Um, the rudimental side and the the rhythmic side and the the com- all that um, kind of virtuosic complexity, but it's the foundation, it's, wouldn't you say? Would yeah, you say the I other mean, thing is built yeah. on top of it? Yeah, I mean, because it, it it was also the first time I'd ever seen it, and I I didn't know hands could do that, and and then um, as I approached nineteen and twenty, um, I definitely followed composition. It was like, all right, who whose book do I want to play? That's where I'm marching, and I don't care what place they took, and I don't care where they're from. That's where I want to go. So, I my hope is that uh, my hope for everyone, not just like what we're doing, but every ensemble, is that everyone has their their niche, like their 
they're um, there's a valid place to be for everyone, kind of right. This this focused group that they're targeting, like they're they're not trying to be all things to every every type of performer. Mm-hmm. That they they have a a certain focus, and that that's going to make everything better. That's like rising tide, right there. That's the ultimate. Um, Which seems like you're. It's funny because whenever we get into these conversations, I feel like part of the fun of them for me is to try to push you into a corner and but you really you navigate in a way that's hard almost for me to understand you maybe you can tell me like how how it is you think about it but you're able to be extremely opinionated really know what you like and what you don't and um, have a strong sense of artistic identity and what you do without Without it, without it being an us and them mentality, or without diminishing things that are not part of what you do, um, and I've ha- I've had to learn how to do that through just being a professional in the music industry and having to understand, you know, when my own tastes are getting away in the way of a specific goal. You know, like an, an artist can come in and have a whole world of what's allowed and what's not and sometimes it feels some some parts of it can feel arbitrary like wait 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 this is cool and this is stupid like i don't all right you know whatever whatever it might be um whether it's like you'll use a snare that sounds like this but not one that goes you know one's stupid and one's not and that's obviously that's often like a really useful tool it's like it's it's you want to have this um i call it like a subjective objectivity where you feel like your opinions are facts so like that's the way it is i think and what do you how do you deal with it for you because you're very much about like the rising tide raises all ships like you you have to feed the thing that you're a part of and so you can't have one animal running around destroying the future for all subsequent animals. Yeah, so you're about the health of the activity. Right. So I guess the way I would look at it, the way I'd navigate it is that um, I think it has a lot to do with, uh, it has a lot to do with intent. Like, what are you trying to do? Oh, you're trying to do that? You're doing it wrong. You will never get that doing it that way. So that's a really strong opinion. You're looking for like cohesion. Right. But however, I am not saying that what you're doing is is the wrong thing to do. I'm not saying that thing that you're doing right now is wrong. That's not how you drum or that's not how you approach that. What I'm saying to the subtlety is that what are you trying to achieve? Well, I'm trying to achieve this. You'll never achieve that doing it that way. Mm -hmm. So now it's wrong. Yeah. So I think there's there's a subtle distinction there. It can certainly be taken... Um, out of context, but it's about intent. And it's about not being right. So, like, an authoritarian. Here's right. Here's a great way to look at it. So, you could look at any ensemble and the way they drum. You can you can break down their philosophical approach to drumming. Like, why do they hold the stick that way? Why is there fulcrum in that particular place? Why do they use this particular motion and this grouping of muscles to achieve this attack? And Maybe they have a height system based on inches or or whatever. Why do they do that? Let's let's break it down, mm-hmm. um, and then I can make a a judgment on whether it's valid or not. 
like here's here's the the easiest go to is can your left hand make the same sound as the right hand? If so, then it's a valid technique. And it doesn't matter what your rules are. It doesn't matter what your philosophy is. It doesn't matter if you use inches or a dynamic system or, or if you're using touch to create dynamic rather than height. It doesn't matter. None of that matters as long as, like, can your right hand make the same sound as your left hand and vice versa? And if, if that's, like, that's my first sort of, like, oh, legit style. I dig that. And I can appreciate things that other groups do. And to, just to put this a little bit more accurately, I, I feel that if let's just take the top 12 of DCI, for example, mm-hmm. I feel like everybody in the top 12 is doing that. Like I can look at the top 12 and go massive achievement. Everybody's good. Everybody has a legit, well thought out philosophy that values different things and puts different things in, on the hierarchy. Like what's more important to you, this or that? And as you shift those elements on the hierarchy, your style changes because mm. you're you're giving you're giving more importance to one thing or another. Right. So I know what we do. I know why it looks the way it does. I know why it sounds the way it does because I know what's on the top of that hierarchy, and I also know what's second. And I know what's third. And so all of those all of those different approaches are, are all legitimate, and that's how I can be more of a like philanthropic approach, like a like a. Um, rising tides kind of approach where I don't, I don't back myself into a hole. You know, it's interesting. I, I threw this out as like kind of just like an offhanded joke comment in, in the last podcast we did together, but like a separation between church and state. But I feel like that's actually more of a valid analogy in this case because you're saying um, if you looked at each hierarchy, like let's say well, entertainment's here, um, you know, depth of meaning is second or something. And then somebody puts depth of meaning at the top and entertainment second, whatever it is. Those are like different religions. Um, And and they all look different. They all, but the people who believe in those religions, it is almost religious. It's almost to the point of like a belief system. And that's what I think is really um, interesting and, and not to like stroke your ego here, but I think it's really admirable that you really believe in, like, you have a religion. You know, you have a way that you think and a thing that's at the top of your hierarchy, and you really believe it. I, I, th- I think you do because it's so consistent, and I've heard you talk about it with that belief. But I sense that I sense a reluctance for you to put that belief out there publicly, publicly because you care so much about the chepar- the separation of church and state. Like, you really you don't want to diminish another religion like another hierarchy of 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 aesthetic belief in in the in the activity because you believe that they should all be there are you going to tell your you know your friend or your neighbor like how to decorate their house i mean it's that's how i look at it for sure no i'm kidding (laughs) maybe um and you can walk away from that experience and say oh it's not my thing but i enjoyed it and i feel like it's but again, I guess there's. I don't. I don't want to say we have to be careful, but it's. You don't want to. The activity is careful for you, though. Like, sorry, I'm. But, I'm, but you don't want to. You want to be like a, a quote like hater and say, well, and, and take away from from somebody else's achievement. Well, they they. 
but they do this and they do this and they sound bad here. And it's, it's, it's a little more, it's, you know, and I, I feel like if I'm honest, I've done that. And I, I, I've done it usually in my own living room where nobody's watching and nobody's listening. Mm. But then it's also an opportunity for me to hear myself. It's an opportunity to say, how about we rethink this and let's not, let's not, um, like, do you really think that? Like, no, I don't really think that. Like if somebody is, if I want to say, ah, oh, well, they, they just, they don't sound good or they do this thing and then that makes them lame. It's cheesy or it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's manipulative. Or- but then when, when you, when you actually like look at it in a, in a non-emotional state, it's like, no, man, this is super cool that this exists and look how hard that was to put together. Like, look at everything else. And so what you're seeing, like you said, in a difference in religion, what you're seeing is just, you're seeing the order of hierarchy. You're seeing, um, oh, clearly, entertainment is at the top of the list here. And whatever is second and third and fourth. So as soon as you do that, everything starts to look different and feel different. I think that's an awesome thing. I think if, if, we, had, if we had organizations out there with the same DNA... Um, it would be incredibly boring. Yeah, and it's it's a the core of this whole conversation is like a freedom of speech core. And even when you talk about like, um, you know, Jordan Peterson talks about that that speaking is is thinking. And you said like in the privacy of your home, you can say these things, and you can go, and then you go like, oh, whoa, did I just say that? And do I really think it? Or maybe somebody will respond to you, like you're in maybe you're in a design meeting or whatever it might be. You start to hear your own thoughts bounce off a person and that's how you sort of are contained. And, you know, obviously one of the worst things for for anxiety and depression is is solitude because you just think all this stuff and you can create a whole world in your head and speech is so important. Like if you, that's why talk therapy can be so great or even just having a relationship with a friend where you can you can say things and the friend can just give you that look like, dude, you're not going to die today. You know, like, whatever. If you have some some crazy thing you're thinking that's like, whatever, you have a little pain in your elbow and you're like, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying. If you're hypochondriac or something, it's like, it can help to say that out loud and then you realize like, oh, yeah, maybe I'm not. But it's interesting because when you get into the, the like, I'm, I'm one who believes that art has an incredible amount of power to... Um, affect us in in small ways and 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 big ways. It can really it's it's like a soul medicine. It can if we listen to the right right song at the right time, see the right movie at the right time, whatever. It can genuinely kind of change our path and get us thinking differently, or get us thinking at all, or get us feeling things we didn't know we could feel, or that we want to feel more. It's an amplifier. It's it's an aimer of of thought and motion and all this stuff. And I think when Here's where I struggle is my belief in that is so strong that I, it's hard for me not to think that there is a responsibility that comes with being an artist, especially like you're going to spend all, let's say your whole life doing this hierarchy and you're going to put that at the top or like whatever it is you put at the top, like, feel like there's some responsibility for that thing at the top to have a lot of meaning and 
but there's room for everybody. So it, it's difficult for me because I go to music mostly to for certain reasons that aren't as much for like just entertainment or something. Music isn't just something I throw on. When I'm listening for entertainment, it's more because I enjoy the the sonics of something. It's not that I'm listening to a fun song. I'm listening because I love music and how it can impact you or something. Like I, I listen to mixes, great mixes of any genre, and that's entertaining to me. But there's something to be said for maybe putting something at the top of the hierarchy that maybe if you put it second, you would get more fulfillment, give more to the world, find out more about yourself. It would be a greater good that you do if you took maybe entertainment and put it second and put meaning first. So I really feel like meaning and entertainment or, you know, are the things like, and I, when I say entertainment, I kind of mean more escapism or shallow, some sort of shallow approach that's meant to just be like, you know, candy. I think, I think of it maybe in terms of, of like, you put mouth in your, in your mouth hole <laughs> of what? Wait, no, you put food. What the heck am I saying? You put food in your mouth hole. Dessert versus main course. <laughs> it's dessert during main course, but like, yeah. what are you feeding right. your ears? Is basically right. well, what I'm asking. I wanted to comment on that because, uh, some, some people think it's, it's not art and that's their version of the art is that it's not art. And I think that's totally okay. And that's how Having we get... Having no game is, a, is my game. <laughs> <laughs> style is there is no style. Yeah. Um, so it, it's... I mean, there are people that I've talked to that are very prominent in this activity that have said the actual words, this is not art. I don't believe what we do is art. And... I'd be curious to, th- to hear what they think is art, though. Anyways. Well, I think it's, it's good, like... We need, like this activity, and we'll call it an art form, um, needs people who think it's not art because those people will do stuff that the artists won't do. They will keep us in check. And, uh, and There are ensembles out there that are freaking crazy and they will be on the cutting edge of everything that's possible with your hands and sticks that other approaches just will not do. And I think... I think, I think it what, all balances out. Like that's we, what you get in a free that. world where, where, because let's say, let's say I I took my um, belief system and went insane with it and went authoritarianism, you know, and then like somehow got the power to force everybody to put entertainment lower on the hierarchy or something. That's not good. It's authoritarianism. It's 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 a bad thing to just think you're just all right about one thing and take it and force everybody else to do it. That's why the individual sovereign, that's all so important. And what's interesting is you could take somebody, let's say the composer of a, of an indoor percussion show that says like, this is not art. Well, they're not doing it by themselves. So like you take somebody that's not art and then you have a bunch, maybe some percentage of the people on the, on the field, what do they call it? <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> are, you know, it's likely that some of their members are going to be artists thinking they're doing art or approaching it with an artistic mentality. I mean, it's, 
then you're going to get this cool blend of like this tension between some right. the non-art and the art approach to that non-art or if, whatever. If I could like direct a movie scene and have, you know, two people facing off, it, it would be, um, I don't think like one person A is, I don't think this is art. And person B is, that's great. <clears throat> Just remember that you're going to be challenged by those of us who feel like this is art. So just know that, that that's out there. And then mm-hmm. person A can say, well, you can do your art, but you got to know that we're out here too. And we're going to keep you in check. I think there's a beauty in that. Like there's, there's, there's a, a, a virtuosity and a, um, there's, skill sets left that are still left undiscovered even with two drumsticks and and two hands that uh we just continually push forward like there there were these brand new hybrid crazy rudiments i remember um like my near my age out year um that are just standard vocabulary now like every high school kid can play it mm mm-hmm. And I remember it being like this new thing. And it's it's just, it's like anything else. It just keeps going and going and going. Who's pushing that envelope? It's not the artists. I don't and, know. Uh, no, it's, it's not rudimentally. I mean, rhythmically, texturally, uh, simultaneous responsibility. Um, those types of things seem are, are more You're saying the things that, that push more of the sport limit? Yeah, yeah. And I, Difficulty I, I factor. Am, I am absolutely broad brushing here, just to make a point. So yeah. yeah, there's exceptions to everything, but broad brushing, typically speaking, someone who's looking at this activity as it's a form of expression, it's a form, it's it's a way for these these young people to put their skills to use to, um, to th- you know throw all of their emotions and everything just into this 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 project, this endeavor for, for four months and give, give their heart and soul of this thing. Um, and bring that to life through, um, either like abstract art or storytelling, um, or something, something that doesn't exist in the world already. Basically that, that's how I would kind of subdivide it. Meaning we're not doing, um, we're not doing West Side Story. You know what I mean? It's like these groups out there that try to create, attempt to create something new that doesn't exist with within their medium, mm. right? So I would, that that's the category I'm talking about. So then you have a, another category that's about um, excellence and achievement, and like we are going to be perfect everything we do. And th- these aren't one or the other, by the way. There's plenty of groups out there that do both, mm-hmm. but I'm just for point of the, the conversation and divide it up. I would say the mentality, not necessarily the human being, but the mentality of being virtuosic and pushing the envelope with what what new discoveries can we find with these these rudiments that we can do with, with our two hands. Like right. how, what new stick trick is there? What you know whatever. Like whatever that thing is, that mentality is slowly churning out uh, default vocabulary 
It's like things that were brand new and groundbreaking in 1990 are just standard vocabulary right now. And then it just keeps happening. Things, the, new, the newest stick trick and crazy rudiment that's going on right now at the upper ends of, of this activity, like people who, who um, um, you know, the best hands in the industry, those will be standard vocabulary in 20 years. Yeah. Um, the, or less. I guess part of it is, I guess you have, there's a competitive factor. So I think any art form, any activity, any business, whatever, but whether you look at it as art or not, that's that you get into like, is there an agreed upon definition of art? And I believe there's people who can say, I'm not doing art. And they are. It's like what you say you're doing and what you're actually doing. It's easy for that not to be the same thing. Um, but I, I but think that, that the, you but, may say it. You may say that that's art and can be, can be perceived as that. But for them, it doesn't change their hierarchy. That's that's. I think that's the more important distinction. Is that if they say it's not art, they, they are telling you what their hierarchy is. But there. But there's also there needs to be an agreement on what the definition of art is because they can say what I'm doing is not art and then they push the entertainment thing to the point of art and then and then they still say I'm not doing art and you look at them and go like well that was transcendently entertainment entertaining <laughs> to the point where I felt like I had a you know some sort of awakening like I, I think that's possible because yeah, I, they're dealing sure. with the tools of art you could just like you can um you can say whatever you want about anything, but you can't necessarily change what it is. Like I, I believe that about you know sex. You can, you can, you can say whatever you want about sex, and people can use sex in all different kinds of contexts. But I believe there's a there's a there's a role that sex plays in relationship, and obviously with procreation and stuff. And you can. You can do the thing outside the role, but you're going to pay the price if you if you put something, if you do something, and with an ad, maybe it's about the attitude or the context, um, and I think you can't, no matter what you say about it, you can't change it. It's an, I know that's a strange analogy to make, but you yeah, could go I, you I, could have I, you could have a hundred one night stance and say it was just no it was just it was just whatever it was just physical it had nothing there was nothing about it but you know, those people <laughs> in the 100 one night stands there's there's a price you pay i think for for treating something important like it's nothing and i think that if you live yeah. if you lived a life making art not treating it as art i well, think yeah, you, but you I might think pay I just, a price being the in your soul the, the devil's advocate here. Um, I don't think they would say it's it's nothing or that it's not meaningful. Um, it's could be. It, it would be like to them, possibly. I don't know. I'm not wired this way, but it would be like running a sprint, um, and you have the fastest time in the world, and you win the gold medal, and it's through all the hard training. Mm-hmm. It's through your 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 technical breakdown of what's actually happening like you, you've got slow-mo footage you're running on the treadmill and you're figuring out oh if if i you know my wrist is one inch lower while i'm running 
my times increase, mm-hmm. you know? So I, sh- you know, I got to watch that. I got to pay attention to that. Like if you're just completely breaking down the science of what a sprint is, um, the same thing is happening, can happen. Yeah. With this activity that there's, there's people that have a very like, like proven method of success and it's reliable and it delivers on demand. It's extremely impressive. And I guess my question it's, would be, what is it delivering? Because maybe for them, it's delivering an experience of having it's, done it. It's delivering the fastest time in the sprint and the first place finish. Using what? Music, though. I, and that's right. what I think. Like, I think if you're using music, you can, you can use the tools of art and not make art, I think. And you can use the tools of art and make art. And then I think you can use the tools of art and make sort of art. <laughs> and But I think it's pretty hard to put a lot of work into music and have it be completely artless on every level, like as if a computer made it. I think what, what I'm talking about is sort of like this this concept, I think, of transference. Like if you're going to no, emotionalize I, I yourself saying, through but, music. Because, but you could also say computer music can be art. Because like, you're using the tools of art. You're using notes. You're using time. You're using these things that I believe God has gifted us with with the tools of art. And we we almost can't screw it up. Right. Just like C.S. Lewis talks about, uh, getting back to my sex analogy, is that, um, <laughs> is that even you take something good and you can put it in a bad context, but it's still... It, there's still good in it. Like it's still, like sex is still going to feel good even when you do it in the wrong context. So even even when you put something in the wrong context, you can't rob it of all it's good. It's The bad is coming later. It's about the context and about maybe the, the fallout of what happens, but the act itself is still, there's still something good about it. And that C.S. Lewis talks about that as being like, you know, even, even the, the devil can't take the good out of something even when he puts it in a bad context, um, which is, it's an interesting just thing. To yeah, think the about. fact that we're going round and round on this is, I think, proof that you just maybe it doesn't need to be defined. It just is what it is. Yeah, you define it for yourself, kind of, right? Yeah. The the important thing. Go. Yeah, the important thing is that. Um, but balance is important. I, I when you said you went back to, I'll try to wrap this up super quick. Um, when you said that we have a responsibility as in the showrunners, whatever title you want to give this thing, um, that the responsibility, I think, is keeping your head down and defining and digging deep within your own religion. And I'm, I'm using that in quotes. Like whatever your philosophical approach is to your hierarchy of importance. Yeah, either either creation or even implementation, because sometimes those are completely two separate things. Like, yeah. here's how we play, here's how we implement, here's how we execute, here's how I write, here's how I design, here's my color palette. Like, sometimes those things aren't even in the same room, and that's yeah. fine too. But I think if every every endeavor is keeping their head down and not being, don't be... Don't allow influence from other ensembles. Make you insecure. You're talking yeah, about I mean, basically... It's gonna, it's, the activity is going to naturally move towards homogenization anyway, just through osmosis. But it's 
it's that much more important that we stay true to who we are because because then you've got like if you use the top 12 as an analogy like you've got 12 distinct religions if you will Mm -hmm. and these versions of what people think the activity actually is i have 12 versions of of no this activity is about this and there's version one there's version two and three and four it's you're advocating for authenticity right staying true to yourself right because i think probably the thing that would make you the most mad is if you can sense um that some that a group is pandering or only trying to win maybe or something like that would you say that that's like a valid critique if somebody won and and you had a deep sense that it was only because of that they were pandering and it was all just like a scheme and they didn't actually believe it it was arbitrary to them all the choices they were making they were literally just trying to you know reverse engineer the the judges sheets and inevitably there's a little bit of that going on at that level yeah well i because I, I it is a, a competition but i have a hard time believing that someone would dedicate almost a year of their life to that so i, I, <laughs> I don't <laughs> there's well, so I, many people out there that'll do whatever it takes to win or make money or yeah but at some point but then we when, all have that in when, us. when do you have the tipping point where they're actually believing it so i i think that's that was my resistance to that is i, I think so you kind of believe you, that if you're doing that you're probably not in the top 12 no no no. i believe well oh i see what you're saying yeah yeah if you are literally pandering and you don't believe it it's just not gonna be that good i don't think it's gonna be good i think people are gonna see through it but if you are like let's say 99 percent of the population is looking at you going you're pandering but you don't believe you're pandering I think then it's fine because it, it's... I think it, that's what happens a lot with pop artists who get undue cri- criticism. I would well, say like Taylor Swift. I think she's been unfairly critiqued by people for being manufactured, not a songwriter, just a whatever, not very talented or whatever. And the, the results speak for themselves. It's like, okay, you can say that, but clearly her voice and those songs and her as a person is working. So you're kind of in the minority if you're going to go <laughs> take that cheap right. shot. I, yeah, and I think that's that's the important thing. It's not important how others view you. It's I'd say your authenticity is what's important. And it, as far as my experience is concerned, as much as much like criticism and, and uh, opinionated, like just bias has come out of my mouth over the last 25 years in this activity. <laughs> yeah. Um, even regardless of all of that, I have a hard time believing someone would dedicate, like it's, it's practically a full year of your life. The, the, when you watch one of these things unfold mm-hmm. um, on the day of finals, whether it's indoor or outdoor, it's, it's basically a year of someone's life that you're, you're viewing in that, in that short amount of time. I just, I don't believe anybody's faking it. Yeah, I'm sure. It's it's probably think, not sustainable to fake it. Well, it's... it's Personally and in terms of the activity. Right, people have different tastes. People have different, like, set of hierarchy. Like, we, we went through all that already. But yeah. it's, I don't think you can even get anywhere near um, top 15 or top 12, whether it's indoor or outdoor, uh, and fake it. I just, I don't think it's possible. Because it, it would be different if we locked somebody in a studio... And said, "All right, you have two hours. Write a song, and let's hear it in two hours." 
then I'd say, okay, someone could be, someone could be bullshit in, in two hours. But for a year, I think everybody is... <laughs> I think so, but... I think everybody is, is, is doing what they think is cool. And maybe that's a, a little area of cynicism for me because I've... And, and maybe I'm speaking to it from a different world or perspective just because I, you know, I think there are all kinds of people out there with all kinds of motives, but... And the rewards are there. Like if I think of my activity... Um, there are always pop songs, um, popular songs that you hear that, you know, they're just so, um, saturated with trying so hard to be on the edge of what's trendy or be... Well, there's a big payoff though. And there's um, not in this, in this marching arts world. There's it's all relative payoff. though. I mean, winning is a payoff. I mean, you get to keep your job, you get to... <laughs> You get more funding, you get more sponsorships, you get, there's all, there's, it's relative, but it's let not, me just finish this thought because okay, I don't okay. want to be misread in this either right, <laughs> or right. misunderstood. And is, I believe the people who are doing that, who are at the top of their game of writing the, the most um, trendy, maybe lack of meaning, no, um, uh, no sense of responsibility with with regards to morality or what they're putting out there in terms of like what kids are listening. They don't care. It's like it could be just all about debauchery, and it's it's about sounding ah, just like the most entertaining, awesome thing, and oh, it's so cool, and just not even care. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever it is, I do think that you can't do that on that level unless you believe it. Because the people who do thrive at that top level of music in the most trendy way with, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, whether it is rock and roll or it's hip hop, it's just, it's, it's a metaphor, I think, for a kind of living and a kind of attitude that those people believe it and you find that they're living it. And you find, and a lot of times they're the ones who are like, um, getting in trouble with the law or, or have crazy lives and, Tons of, 27. Ex, tons of ex-wives and <laughs> yeah um so i think it, get, it does get back to authenticity if you're going to do something on a high level it does take complete commitment and authenticity it's just what are you committing to and what it, what's what is it in your heart that's coming out is it something that's regressive or adding something on some level that's positive well the other the other factor that exists um in this in this world is is uh Membership. So we've talked about this before that every every show, every seasonal endeavor is starts over. Kind of even just even if you don't want it to be, it it, by default it's a commercial for the subsequent year. And yeah, I wonder how much the the activity would change if membership was like like the presidency. (laughs) It's like four years at a time or like two years at a time, even just two years at a time. I think so many things would change, right? Cause you'd, you'd have, I don't know ha- four years at a time, maybe two years at a time. Most, most membership. I mean that the, the, what is it? Is it senators who are two years at a time? <laughs> <laughs> the, the kids, I hate using the word kids, but I'm, I'm just for simplicity. Uh, they identify with a certain brand, if you will, um, approach, 
Um, and they tend to be pretty consistent. I mean, you have a little bit of movement. Most of the movement, though, I would say is at the top end, um, meaning to to the top end. Like, let's say you're you know you're 16 and you 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 live in in a state that has one drum corps and it's within driving distance. Hmm. So you put in a couple years there. By the time you're 18 or 19, um, you're able to you know catch a flight and march wherever you want. Um, yeah, there's so many factors. And if you're right. good enough to be here, you may probably good enough to be over right. here. So. But there's also, a, yeah, there's also a percentage of kids that just stay where they are and they try to build, yeah. that, build that train, so to speak. But um, yeah, I, I don't feel like there's massive amounts of movement. I think once, once a performer reaches a certain level of achievement, they tend to be pretty consistent about what they want there's probably and there's Where probably more movement when there's like a shift and um like I, I noticed this from the outside looking in that it was interesting to see um when Broken City went from OCI to Broken City and there was a there's a bit of a shift and and I don't know what there was multiple layers of shifting, but just we all came together and then took made some deci- you made some decisions in Kevin and I was involved to whatever degree. And just sort of like committing to a certain th- process or something, and then seeing that kind of emerge as a fresh voice, I guess. In the, well, actually, actually, some of that, some, some of that was uh, didn't happen really that way because we actually changed the name after auditions. So we had auditions and set the line, and then we changed the name. But I remember this happening actually after that. It was like sure. it was the middle one. Was it Spine? Yes. The auditions fine, yeah. for the year of Spine were interesting because there was a lot of um, people ca- that seemed to be coming over and right, right. switching back and forth and stuff. But I think that's just evidence of health that 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 there is that and that and it's cool that there's the freedom for people to kind of go play around and that if somebody leaves, you, you I don't even recall that if somebody left and you having the idea of like, well, if they don't want to be here, then you know, good luck to them wherever they go. And if somebody comes from another line, you're not going to be like, I don't want them. They're from there or whatever. It's, it's more just like there's, it's valid, I guess, to go wherever and be wherever and have whatever attitude and perspective you have. Everything is valid and nothing is wrong with anything. (laughs) Way to take a stand. (laughs) I saw the look on your face. As I became more and more political, let's answer one more question on like on the quick and right, then call it a quick. day. Boom. Um, okay, who do you let's let's answer this outside the marching arts domain? So just in general, who who do you feel is up and coming and providing a fresh new voice to music that we haven't heard, seen, or heard recently? I don't know. <laughs> you can mention. I, I don't know if I'm on the cutting edge of music fresh. There is a, I don't even know if I know his name. My daughter's in the other room. I can ask her. It's one, she exposes me to music that I'm not hip to. Yeah. Um, it's John, it starts with a B. Oh, man. Bullion. Bullion? Yes. Yeah. Dig that dude. I don't know why. A handful of my students have been like, He's oh, just, check out the song. Yeah. So what's his name again? John. Bullion? Yeah. 
Yeah, like <laughs> that dude has I don't got know how to spell it. He's got something special. Um there's a there's let's, let's get it right. Yeah, it, it would break my heart if I found out that it's all contrived and somebody else is writing his songs, but <laughs> as soon as I heard her play some of the 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 MP3s, some of the tracks off his latest album, yeah. I was like, this guy writes his own songs. This, yeah, you could just feel it. He's writing his own stuff. He's doing what he wants. He doesn't care what anybody thinks. And um, yeah, it's J O N B E L L I O N. That guy. Yeah, I I love what he's doing. Yeah, he's a singer, songwriter, and record producer. So well, he's self self producing. Yeah, you can, and you can tell right away. And that's um, oh, he's known for oh a song called All Time Low. I thought it was like a member of the yeah. band All Time Low. Nope, nope. That shows know that my band. ignorance. But um, yeah, so if you don't know who that is, you. You're probably as old as I am. But um, anyway, check out his stuff. It's pretty cool. I like that dude. Yeah, the stuff I've heard is cool. Um, shoot, I have to answer. You know, I think I'm kind of, I'm making so much music and I have sort of, I've always had this thing where I just attach to a, f a few albums or whatever and just listen and it's weird. I, there's not enough input. <laughs> but uh, I would say that I think one of the... Of recent years, I'll say new... If you say new, the last couple years. There have been two songs over the last handful of years that have really stood out to me as like, oh, those are special, timeless, great songs. And they were both really popular. And it just, it just made me go like, yes. And there's that little part of me that like connected to it on that level of like, Ooh, it's like almost makes you jealous a little bit. It's like that's a great tune, and um, uh, one of those was "Human" by Rag and Bone Man. I don't know it. I'm only human after all. Don't put the blame on me. That song, you ever heard that? It's great. I don't think so. I'll play it for you after this. Uh, it's a great song, and just yeah. And then the other one was. Uh, Oh my gosh, I'm spacing on his name to the point where I, I don't even want to say the title until I've Googled. This, his name always flies out of my head. Um, Hosier, Take Me to Church. Oh, yeah, that's kind of going back a few years, though. Yeah, it's going back a few years, but I think um, that counts for me. <laughs> but And what's funny is both of those songs, the, the core of those songs are in blues. They're like really catchy pop, pop-ish songs, more alternative than pop, I guess, but they're rooted in like a bluesiness, that, but they made it fresh through like the lyrical take on it and just the authentic nature of the song lyrics, the productions sound timeless and the performances are great. Can I do, so, a, can I do an honorable mention? Yeah, this do is my it. number two. All Them Witches, they're out of Nashville. Oh, yeah. Um, super cool. You said blues, and I just I went I went there, kind of a a little bit of a throwback. They they sound like they're um, a little deliberate in their aesthetic, like, mm -hmm. like using vintage approach, vintage vintage recording right. techniques. But all them witches. There's, there's some of that going cool. around. And what's um, something Rut, one of your favorite bands? Oh yeah, I've mentioned that before. Middle class Rut. Yeah, out of Sacramento. Cool band. That brings us to a close. Yep. Bam. Good night and good morning. <laughs>